All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi here at the podcast. I am Father Christian, and next to me is a man dressed like Elvis today because it's Purim. Um, on the time of this recording, it is Rabbi Durbin, and we are going to continue this journey of talking about repentance and confession. This week, we talk about confession. What is confession like for Jews? What is it like for Christians? Specifically, what is it like for Reformed Jews? What is it like for Episcopalians? Um, what does that look like? Um, what does absolution look like? Uh, and we're also going to sneak in there a little bit of what Purim is all about, because that is why my colleague and clergy in arms is wearing an Elvis jacket uh, with it. So Matthew Durbin, are you ready to have this conversation about confessing our sins? I am. I am. Okay, good. Um, you do have the benefit of having another rabbi who lives in your house, so there might be a lot of confessing going on to each other because there's just clergy galore, clergy galore. All right, everyone. Um, so we're going to jump into this episode. Please subscribe to this. It does help us get out the podcast. We'd like to involve a community, a digital community. As you know, it's all about a digital community now, um, and, and we want to be a part of it and hear your questions and uh, develop shows based on what you want. And also, if you want to support this podcast, you can always reach out to us. I think a priest and a rabbi at Gmail doesn't work. So why don't you just email, you can meet, why don't you email Durbin, email Rabbi Durbin at what email? Uh, rabbi Durbin at Gmail. Rabbi Durbin at Gmail. Tell him you want to give $500 to support this show and keep it on the air and keep it as a podcast. All right, everyone, God bless you. And we'll see you on the podcast. this show do not represent WSTU, since they probably regretted over allowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Bay Hayam or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, grab your Bible or Torah, and enjoy another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. All right, everyone. Good morning and welcome to another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. My name is Father Christian Anderson over at St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Stewart, Florida. It is great to be here this morning and I am only half the show because the better half is my 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 comrade, my colleague, my rabbi, my dear friend, Rabbi Matthew Durbin from Temple Beth Chayam, who if you are watching our well, we're not streaming this on Facebook, but later on, you will see this on Facebook, the video. You will see that our rabbi is wearing a wonderful Elvis jacket. Um, it's, it's, a, it's Friday. So on Friday, you know, you think a rabbi dresses some way and a priest dresses some way. Well, I'm rocking a Cavaliers t-shirt and an Indian's hat. And Rabbi Durbin, you are rocking an Elvis jacket. What's, what's going on there? It's Purim, my friend. It is Purim. As okay. Purim came in last night. Uh, and all day today, uh, you know, we have uh, after this show, we do um, we do a Tosh Shabbat program for our kids. And, you know, they're, they're we're, we're celebrating the, the, the joy of Purim and the fact that we as Jews are still here and that we overcame oppressive forces uh, and just a joyous occasion. So I thought uh, 
uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give the lowdown tonight. We're doing a service. We read what we call the Megillah, which is the story of uh, the Book of Esther um, uh, for Purim. Uh, tonight, I will be, well, good thing he's not being posted until later. So tonight, I'm going to be Johnny Lawrence uh, from, uh, for those that remember, uh, from the Karate Kid. Um, oh or um uh from uh uh you know the 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 hit show uh, cobra kai so that's uh, i'm going to be doing that tonight we're going to be reading the megillah having a great time uh at the temple um in celebration of purim okay if you could rock out johnny lawrence during a liturgical service yeah it must be a pretty joyous time i don't think you could you're not doing that during yom kippur no 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 okay okay so so, so, so on yom kippur all right, so th this is this is going to be our, our our Jewish moment. Usually, we have a Yiddish moment of the day of the show, but now we're going to have a Jewish moment to teach us teach us. So 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 Purim is is a holiday of celebration to celebrate liberation, you know, overcoming. No, so I mean I mean that that theme in and of itself would be for Passover. You know, for Purim, it's really the story of um, Purim is the story of King Achashverosh, also known as. Uh, um, um, uh, Xerxes, um, king of Persia, who ultimately uh, devised a plan. He didn't devise a plan, but his his second in command, Haman, uh, devised a plan to eradicate the Jewish people. Uh, of course, uh, the king um, disbands his wife Vashti and finds himself a new one, uh, and her name is, is Esther or Hadassah, uh, and she becomes the heroine of the Jewish people who ultimately saves the Jewish people. Uh, from annihilation. So we, uh, we, we rejoice, we celebrate, we eat these things called hamantashans, uh, which is kind of like a cookie, a triangle cookie. Uh, in the past, it has always been linked to this guy, Haman of his hat, uh, which is just not true because it was not colonial. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is emblematic of eating. Um, you know, we eat certain delicacies uh, over certain holidays. For Purim, it is what we call uh, Hamantashen um, has nothing to do as I mentioned with this, uh, meaning Haman is poppy seed. So it's like a poppy seed and molasses kind of put together in a cookie form that you bake and it's, just, it's, it's delicious. You know, today we use jams, chocolate, Nutella, a whole bunch of great stuff. But yeah, we'll be we'll be celebrating, um, celebrating our our existence and certainly celebrating, uh, you know, the fact that um, we we overcame, we overcame oppressive forces. All right, everyone. So if you have any questions more about Purim, you can call into the radio show, 772-280-220-9788-772-220-9788. Give us a shout if you want to learn more about Purim or if you want to learn about confession. That was just a non sequitur transition. We have a, uh, that is our focus. If you, if you tuned in last week, we talked a lot about repentance because uh, as Christians, or at least as Anglicans and Catholics and Lutherans and Methodists, we're in the season of Lent, or Orthodox Christians, we're in the season of Lent, uh, 40 days of repentance, of fasting to really uh, do an excavation of our soul to prepare ourselves for Easter. And we compared that last week to what is the, the season surrounding um, Yom Kippur. Um, the month before it. So, uh, and the importance of repentance and why that's so important for our relationship with God. So we're going to go a little bit deeper with that this week. And we're going to be talking about the importance of confession. And there'll be some crossover here, but we really want to dip into what is, what does confession look like for, 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 for the Jews? What does confession look like for the Christians? What does confession look more specifically for Episcopalians or Anglicans? And how's it different from like Catholics? 
and then talk about the significance of that. And is, uh, I think uh, Rabbi and I would think that it leads to liberation, at least to freedom, um, if when we confess our sins in any kind of uh, language. So we're going to jump into that today. Um, but um, um, so, 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 so Rabbi, um, uh, let, let, let's start here on this, on this show today. Um, you, we, we, I think when we hear about confession, we immediately think of the confessional booth in a Catholic church and you walk into this booth and, and if you, um, you know, that, that, that's, that's where, it, and I know yesterday we were talking about this and you, you thought that was kind of funny and weird. And I'm sure people outside the Catholic faith or maybe the Christian faith think the confessional booth is just a very strange and weird thing. Um, wh what is the Jewish version or let's say the reform Judaic version or uh, something that's related to that um, to, to that idea of a confessional booth that you come in, you come and confess your sins to a ghostly confessor, as, as Shakespeare would say. What, what does that look like? In terms of a Judaic understanding? Yes, sir. You know, we don't, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, and I think you're absolutely right that whether we're Jewish, whether we're Christian, whether we're what, what have you, when we hear the word confession, we think, right, we think uh, uh, cubicle box, right, with, with little, uh, you know, uh, veil, so to speak. We rap on the window, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned, you know. We rap on the window. <laughs> you know, are, uh, are you there? Are you there, sir? What have you seen in the movies? Someone going inside a confessional booth and rapping on the window. Are you sure that they're there? But, you know, I think that that, <laughs> that image whether it be through Hollywood or what have you, I mean, that image I think has stayed, uh, you know, in, in, in a lot of our minds. Um, from a Judaic perspective, we do not, we don't have confession, um, say in the Catholic sense. I mean, we do have a process of confession, which is Jews we call vidui, which is confession. And, and, and we look at confession on three different, seemingly very different, but yet interconnected ways. One is the sin or the transgression or the um, uh, or, or the uh, indiscretion that we have caused against ourselves, against God, and against our fellow human beings. Um, confession, uh, you know. But how often does that happen? When you when when is, are there? Could you do it every day? Do you do so it once a year? In our liturgy, it is there is there is the understanding that we would do it on, on a daily thing. There is the collective understanding that certainly on Yom Kippur we confess our sins. On the High Holy Days we confess our sins. Um, we have actually a, a beautiful. Uh, it's actually an amazing, amazing and cathartic um, uh, ritual that we generally do on the afternoon of Rosh Hashanah, called Tashlich. And Tashlich is the process of casting away sins to which one has referred over the past year. Traditionally, it's breadcrumbs. It's really the lint that we have in our pockets. We take it out. We can, you know, confer upon it those, those indiscretions that we've done over the course of the year. Take a moment and really scatter it into a, a water uh, in some way that is constantly flowing. So Where's that water? Where's it? You go to the beach or what do you do? Actually, we go to Tulip Point Gazebo because the intracoastal obviously uh, is a constantly flowing water source. Um, and we just cast away our sins. We do a beautiful ceremony, 15 minutes or so, links us to, you know, our past and the present of, you know, who we really want to be. That confession is actually really important. And we actually are supposed to confess 
at the end of our life, traditionally, we are supposed to uh, confer those words, you know, I am sorry. I am sorry if I've not been the best person. I'm sorry if I haven't uh, done this, that, and the other. Um, you know, it, it's a personal confession that we give to God, to our loved ones, to others, uh, to really have that cathartic release. That, that so that, that, that's an annual thing from what I'm hearing from you. Annual. Uh, although our liturgy does speak uh, some degree and semblance of a confession that we give almost on a daily basis. But really, confession is, I think from us as Jews, it is the recognition and the acknowledgement uh, that we ourselves are not perfect, that we have sinned and we have erred in some way. Okay, but is there a, okay, but let's, let's just say this. If, so there's a confession there, I, I get that part. Now, if someone where little Ricky in your congregation um, stole his sister's toy and feels terrible about it, what process, is there a process that little Ricky can do to kind of feel, to take this burden because he feels so guilty? Um, can, can little Ricky come to visit Rabbi Durbin and, 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 and confess his sins? Or is there a process within a prayer book or something that allows him to just, maybe with his mom or something to do to do something to kind of unburden him well i think i think i think you know i think uh, you know a and b and all of the above i mean i think that there is you know to say for the sake of argument with little little john whatever comes over right i i think for me and certainly the jewish people it is it is this process of being able to get it off your chest Speak it. I mean, I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to be a non-anxious, non-judgmental presence. I'm here to listen. I'm not here to absolve. I do. I cannot absolve of sin, right? Which I guess is very different from, say, a Catholic perspective of absolving you of sin once you've stated what your challenge or what your issue may be. Um, as Jews, I don't have that right to absolve you of sin. Only God has the ability to absolve you of sin. So in that regard, sure. I mean, I would, I would offer, you know, whatever type of you know all right i think we lost the rabbi because he was getting so wrapped up in his confession that uh he is uh he'll probably tune back into this uh show but uh so check it out so we're going to keep on what i'm getting from rabbi durbin and again if you have if you want to talk about confession Give us a call today uh, on the show, 772-220-9788, 772-220-9788. Whether you're a Jew, a Christian, Muslim, an atheist, what is your experience about confessing your wrongdoings? Maybe that could put it that way, which would be more inviting. Confessing your wrongdoings or confessing uh, sins. So if you are a, uh, if you are a Jew, how have you gone through the path of trying to confess your sins? Have you ever done something like made a call to your rabbi or do you do something at home? If you're a Christian and this is so, it's such a different thing within the Christian world. If you're an evangelical or a non-denominational person, there's going to be a completely different way of how you approach that. than maybe if you're an Episcopalian, or a Lutheran, a Catholic, an Eastern Orthodox uh, follower, um, in a liturgical church. So, in a liturgical church, you have the you have a liturgy that provides for you. And so, within as an Episcopal priest, I'll tell you there is a sacrament. It is a called a sacrament of the church. Um, and and so you would actually come in and make a, an appointment, or we have it built into some of the services where you would come in and make an appointment with me, the priest. And we don't have confessional booths at St. Mary's Episcopal Church. Um, some Anglo-Catholic Episcopal churches do have that. Um, Anglo-Catholic is, is a kind of a higher church way of approaching um, the Anglican church is Anglo-Catholic. But in the more, what we call lower churches, 
uh, like the one that I serve at, it, you, what you would do is you would just call me up and say, you know, I really need to confess my sins. And we would either meet in the church or meet in my office face to face, as Rabbi would say, panim panim. And there is a liturgy. There's an actual reconciliation of the penitent. That is the, in the prayer book, in the Book of Common Prayer. We would work through that together. And it does have that, what you hear in movies, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And it leads you through it. There's a path, there's a part where it's, there's a space for you to sit there and just get it all off your chest, as Rabbi was saying. Get everything off your chest. I mean, it's key. You want to create a safe, trusting environment. And to know that the priest actually, I don't know if it's by law, but by vow, I cannot... I cannot relate any of this information to anyone unless you say you're going to go kill yourself or kill someone else. I don't know that though. It is sealed, even if they bring me into the court of law. So um, I'm sure they could depose me and do something, but I don't know. All I know is that I, I can't say a word. Then there's the key part of this though, is absolution is to be absolved of your sin. And Rabbi, you referenced this before, is that this idea that the priest absolves you of your sin which relates back to some holy scripture and that Jesus says that, you know, if you forgive, you know, if you can forgive people of their sins, um, the Episcopal church doesn't put that kind of authority upon a priest. What we say is that we're just sort of like this, this, we are with you and walking beside you. Um, and it's Jesus who forgives you of your sins. Jesus is the only one. So therefore you can do this at home. You don't need me, but if, if this helps you, then I'm with you. Cool. But isn't Let's, that it? Is that is that in even in that context, Father Anderson? That although you are not absolving one of one's sin, you are a guide. You are a guide guiding someone on their journey towards reconciliation or you know, awareness or you know some degree of um, knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I think you and I—that's our—that's our our, our our jobs, right? People look to us as their spiritual counselor. And that's our job is to guide you on this. So <clears throat> there's been authority given to both you and I to just, or, or responsibility. That's what we represent in our society. So you want to deal with confession, come on, come on over. And we're going to help you um, find that. Um, but, but, but different from some other denominations in Catholic church, I'm not the one absolving you of your sin. I don't stand in for Jesus. I don't stand in for jury. I'm just directing you that Jesus on the cross, that, that, that he forgives you. So, 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 but this brings up an interesting point that you said, so there's an absolution involved in the Christian confession, the sacrament in, in more liturgical churches. Um, I can't speak for evangelicals or non-denominational non um, churches, but for you, Rabbi, if someone comes in and confesses their sin, is there some form of absolution or forgiveness or something you say that God has forgiven you of your sins? So the person could be like, great, I confessed, right? So, so, so for, for, for Christians, there's a three-step process, contrition. Oh, wow, I really screwed up. I'm aware of this. I feel terrible. There's the confession. I got it off my chest. And then there's the absolution. Like I've been forgiven. And so if, if I really feel like you're truly repenting, like you're really repenting, you're not just saying this, then absolution makes sense. Um, is there some form of that in the Jewish tradition? You know, I think, I think in the Jewish tradition, you know, uh, and let me, let, me, let me rephrase a little bit because I had come back and said, you know, the only person in the world that has the ability to absolve you of your sin is God. Um, and those are generally, you know, those are transgressions that we make or we confer uh, or, or we do against God, right? If I, if I did something that harmed you in some way, um, maybe I was short with you, maybe, you know, whatever it may be. Um, you know, the only person that really is to be able to absolve me of that, of that transgression is you. 
that I have to physically come before you and say, uh, Father Anderson, okay. right? I'm sorry uh, if, you know, a year ago I did this and I'm sorry if it hurt you or your family. You know, in that regard, yes, the, the, the only person is the one to whom, you know, the transgression has been given and I'm seeking your forgiveness, right? But there's no, you know, I, I, I see it from your perspective, right? I acknowledge what I've done. I've openly admitted and taken ownership and responsibility of my action. Now I'm seeking forgiveness and absolution. I don't think Judaism has that absolution to be able to say, well, now that you've gotten off your chest, you are, you are absolved of your sin. Mm. You know, I think Judaism takes it from the perspective that we are, each and every one of us are held accountable and responsible for our actions. And therefore it is incumbent upon you, not God, unless those transgressions are against God, uh, for you to you know, spiritually and, and, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally come to terms with what has been done and to seek forgiveness. That's a, that's a, a, you know, I need to reflect on that. It's a really good point that if I'm trying to think of any time that I've been a part of a confession that my direction, because there's a part during the confessional right um, that I give guidance and I wonder if I've ever done it where I said, okay, you know what you got to do now. <laughs> you got to go to that person and usually you got to go repent to them. And I got to really reflect on that. Nothing really comes to mind where you're right. It's, it's, it's like the 12 step program. You know, there's the part of the 12 step. One of the steps is you got to go make amends. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you've ever been a part of this, but you have like an alcoholic call you and just be like, Hey man, you know, I got to tell you two years ago, I really screwed up, blah, 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 blah. But you're right. The courage. I think the first step is, yeah, you go to, you go to God. Um, but, but, but I would think God, hopefully, hopefully, and maybe now you're making me think that three, think this through is that your presence with God to be that honest would say, you know what you got to go do now. Now you got to go to your wife. Now you got to go to your friend and just say, but that's, that's the work, right? That, that, that's why I think also there are times that when we sin and we try and seek, you know, some degree of, of forgiveness. It, that's the hardest. I mean, I don't think it's hard or seemingly hard to recognize that we have erred in some way. I think the the difficulty is confronting the one or the ones to whom we have we have hurt to seek forgiveness. It's tough. So would you say the first step as a person as a follower of God, that the first step in seeking confession, you've done something you really messed up. And that for some of us, man, our pride is big, our ego is big, and we just don't want to go there, man. It's just like, you know what? It moved on. So you're in a fight with a friend. You said some bad things to that person. You guys are not talking. So there could be a lot of things. You're like, listen, I'm not going to deal with this yet because that guy's a jerk. And I said some jerky things, but whatever. But at a certain point, it's on your heart. So you have to, I would say you first are going to go to God and work it out with God. Say, God, you know, I don't feel good about this. He's a jerk too, but I don't, I don't, I don't feel great about acting like a jerk. So really God, forgive me of this. And, and then, and then you got to go and make peace with the dude. Um, I would say that, that, that goes in that process first, go to God first so you can cleanse your heart and really get the courage and the direction and really the, the, the uh, confidence that this is what I got to go do. I talked to God about it. I released it and God is saying, go to this person. And because that person might not forgive you, they might be angry at you, but at least you got right with God first, go back to the person, be humble, confess. But uh, I think that's, that's it too, right? It's, it's the recognition that it's above and beyond ourselves. So I think that if I sinned in some way, what am I really asking God at least? And I'll speak personally, it's my own commentary, right? I think in that instance, I'm not really going to God. Oh God, you know, please, Please make Father Anderson, you know, forgive me of what I, I don't think it is that. I think it's saying, you know, God, I erred against Father Anderson. I'm really sorry. Give me strength and give me courage. 
so that I can confront him and apologize for my actions. So there's no confession to God, you're saying, from a Judaic, you're, you're not saying, God, forgive me of my sins. You're saying, God, give me courage to go confess to Father Anderson. From a human to human perspective, yes. If it's, if it's a sin against that I've committed, whether I've used God's name in vain, whether I've, I've, I've you know, done certain things that have been you know, less than ideal to God, I think that that is a different conversation I have with God to forgive me of the sin that I commit against God, as opposed to the sin to which I commit against my fellow human being. Yeah, but what, wouldn't the, the Ten Commandments, all of them, I mean, if you break any of those, so you lie. Yeah, you, you, you broke your relationship with man, but you're also breaking your relationship with God too, yeah? So don't you think you have to do both? I do, I do, absolutely. But I think, I think that it's, it's the way we phrase it or the way that we, we understand it as, as it, as it, as, you know, as it manifests, you know, manifests itself towards, you know, whatever it may be. All right. So listen, we, we are going to go take a break to listen to the people who um, make this all happen. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what a scripture have to say about confession and the importance of this, uh, but also uh, some personal stories of uh, Rabbi Durbin and myself of how confession has really affected our lives and changed our lives. Um, and why is it important for you as a listener? So please give us a call if you have any intake and insight on confession. 772-220-9788. Are you out there? Are you on the airwaves? Please let us know. All right, we'll see you in just a second. You're listening to a priest and a rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And I want to let you know that I have started a YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday, I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. 
Um, last week was what do women really want um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor or someone to be there for you during a challenging time. And you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more of the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Here, uh, uh, a priest over at St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Stewart, Florida. Uh, and next to me is the man in the Elvis jacket because it is Purim. It is Rabbi Matthew Durbin from Temple Beth Hayam, also here in Stewart, Florida, in sunny Florida. Um, and a shout out to all our other fellow clergy members who um, are out there swinging away um, in other parts of the country that still have a shutdown. Our hearts go out to you. I think uh, Rabbi and I are in a place where We've been open, and so um, it's a very different experience of how we do this. Oh my gosh! Uh, now Rabbi Durbin is popping his collar and with this Elvis jacket because it is Purim, a time of celebration for our Jewish sisters and brothers. We're going to continue our conversation here with confession, confession, and the importance of confession as our walk. And we've seen the differences, some minor differences, actually some I would say big differences, but medium-sized differences between the Judaic tradition and Christianity. Uh, and so if you didn't, if you missed that, just go on to our podcast. If you go to a priest and a rabbi dot podbean dot com, that is our website for all of our, uh, our broadcasts. Um, and also if you, you have something important to talk about your experience with confession, do you believe in it? Do you think it's important? I don't care if you're a humanist, uh, wherever you're at, we want to hear from you. 772 Two two zero nine seven eight eight. All right, so Rabbi, um, during the break, we were referencing um, some of the places where we find Holy Scripture talking about confession, and there's there, there, there's a bunch. Um, let's take us to First Samuel fifteen twenty four. First Samuel fifteen twenty four. For all of you out there who are just married to your Bible, that's right next to you. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. All right. So we see a confession there. Rabbi, I'm going to let you kick off because I have a feeling you know Hebrew scripture much better than me. Actually, but, 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 but it's interesting when you when you hear that phrase, what you just read from from Samuel is is the recognition that says, I have sinned against God. I have not been faithful to your commandment. Therefore, I listened to the people 
right? So in some way, and even if we take the experience of Saul, look, Saul was great. He, he served at a certain time, whether it is complacency or, you know, the people depose him, right? The people want somebody new. They want somebody great. And Saul's sitting there going, what have I done? What have I done wrong for you people? Right. And I think it's that recognition that Saul himself recognizes that he had perhaps transgressed against God. And I think that what he says to God is forgive me. Right. Forgive me, God, of the sin that I just haven't been faithful to you. So that's the right. sin. He recognizes it. So, so before you're saying that maybe he doesn't know, but he, do you think, is he just shooting bullets in the dark and just saying, I guess I transgressed you, God? Or like what? Well, no, I think he he's knows? saying, God, I, 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 I am well aware that I have transgressed. I mean, it's, look, it's the same thing with Moses. Moses' gravest sin, according to the Torah, again, not according to other various traditions, right, is the striking of the rock. Now, for those that may not be familiar, right, we, we, as Israelites, we leave out of Egypt, we go into the promised land, and, you know, we're starving, there's no food, there's no water, and of course, the Israelites complain, because we Jews are pathological complainers, so we complain all the time, right? You brought us out of a land of everything in Egypt, although we were slaves, to a land of nothing. So, of course, Moses says, by an act of God, you shall have water, right? The second instance, that Moses strikes the rock, water pours forth. And our tradition tells us that that's why Moses was not permitted into the land of Israel, because Moses himself sins by not giving the attribution to God so that the people see Moses' act as an act of humanity and of human being being able to do this miraculous act rather than God. No, so and does I he confess? That, I don't think Moses ever really does confess. See, that's why I, does he I go to the promised land? If he would have confessed his sin, maybe God would have been like, yeah, you could sneak into the promised land. Maybe but, also, but also remember that when we say we're confessing against sin, we're looking at it from a two-pronged approach. The knowing that I sinned and also the unknowing. Right? Our tradition, Judaism, tells us that we are to ask forgiveness for those sins that we have committed knowingly or unknowingly. Right? Maybe in that instance, and again, I, like I'm not speaking for Moses, but maybe Moses was not aware. I find it hard to believe he wasn't aware, but let's take it for face value. Maybe Moses wasn't aware of his sin. So, 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 okay, that's a possibility, but let's say he was aware. Is it in the tradition so far as we know the Israelites that when you screw up and you sin or you, it's kind of obvious that God is a little frustrated with you that you would want to confess? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, 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 saw, we, we see that happening with Saul. So why, why doesn't Moses confess and say, God, you're uh, clearly upset with me? It, it, is that just not part of the tradition that we see so far in, like, in, in, in the, the people of Israel? No, I mean, I think confession is, is always there. I mean, it's, look, it's not written in our text. We don't have in the Torah that Moses says, you know, God, I'm really sorry. You know, but you see it with other biblical characters. We I mean, we David spends a whole psalm, Psalm 51. He's, he's, he seems like he's confessing his sins, right? I, I've transgressed. So I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's probably a lot of scholarship about why Moses does and what, what I mean, it was all God's plan. It was, I, I get the part Moses had to stay away so Joshua could lead the new, the new, the new, the nouveau riche of, of, of God's people. But, uh, okay, so with, 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 with you and I during the break, we're kind of, you, you mentioned Hannah coming into the temple. And I love the story of Hannah. It's one of my favorites because it's the Virgin Mary really takes from Hannah and for the Magnificat, one of the most beautiful 
and probably just this revolutionary pieces of text. And I don't use revolutionary as hyperbolic. It really is um, that she borrows from Hannah. So she is in love with Hannah too. We're all in love with Hannah. She's like our, our hero, heroine. Um, but tell me why you see Hannah bursting into the temple and telling God, you better give me a kid. If not, I'm fasting. Why is that a confession? Because I think in some, in some way, and I do recognize that what I'm about to say is a stretch, is that what Hannah does- <laughs> Here it comes, Eric, I love what Rabbi does. This. Like last week when you said, I, I forgive you, God. <laughs> but but I, think, I think what Hannah does is something that is, you know, especially biblically, is very revolutionary, right? As, 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 as we know, Hannah goes to the altar uh, at the temple and, and you know, she's, she's praying fervently uh, with her lips, right? Women were not permitted on that altar. Right. Right. And what she's doing is she's, and, and I guess it goes back to what do we define as confession? What do we confi- What do we define as sin or transgression? Because she stands there and she pours out her heart to God and says, if you don't, I am a barren woman. I am in dire need of a child. I want this child. So she pours out the longings of her heart towards God. God hears these words, right? And you know, the story tells us, teaches us, right? Elkanah, the high priest, he effectively says, what are you doing? What are you drunk? You know, a woman on an altar and yet you're speaking and there are no words coming out of your mouth. What is the matter with you, right? And we know, and we can see it as, look, it's a story of strength. It's a story of womanhood. It's a story of, of self-control. But it's but not I a story that, of confession. However, however, I do see the confession as she is confessing the longings of her heart for something that she herself cannot have and asking for God to give her something. So what would God forgive her of? Confession leads to forgiveness, leads to absolution. There's no forgiveness of Hannah. She doesn't need forgiveness. I mean, it's debatable. You could say that Hannah does need to be forgiven. But, but, but she's not confessing. She doesn't see she's doing anything wrong. Again, it, goes back, it goes back to what is that word confessing? Okay, what, what, okay. Are, we, are we in a political debate here and say what is, is? Like, did you, do you want me to look it up online? Okay, so let's look up. What is? I believe... Yeah, no, 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 I don't, you're going to come up with something that fulfills your argument. Let me, t- let me see what, what the actual, what we all decided on, a dictionary says. Um, it is a, a, a formal statement admitting that one is guilty of a crime, so that's a secular way, or a statement of setting out essential religious doctrine. Um, so so that, that's what, or a formal admission of one's sins with repentance and desire of absolution. Okay, so I, I, don't, I don't see where you're going with Hannah. She doesn't confess anything. She's bold. She doesn't see she did anything wrong. She's, in one way, she's saying that, God, you did something wrong. Hang on. So let me pick you up on there, right? If we look at it biblically, okay, Sarah, Rebecca, Hannah, right? These women, these matriarchs were barren women, right? And in some summons, if they could not produce children, there was something in the mind frame probably of these women that said, what is the wrong with me? What have I done? What sin did I commit to be able to be a barren woman? Okay. Right. And I think that that pervades Sarah, Rebecca, Hannah, all of these matriarchal women for them to search deep within their recesses of themselves to then start confessing or going to God and say, Please open my womb for whatever transgression or whatever sin or whatever 
you know, challenge I may have done in my life, forgive me. And okay, so, me. so I'm, 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 I'm just, I don't know. This is, not, this is not me talking. This is the Bible. So just, I don't know. So to take it for what it's worth. So the, the, the Hannah, it, it says, oh God of the angel armies, if, you, if, you, if you'll take a good hard look at my pain, if you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I'll give him completely unservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. I don't see anything here. And that's the message version. So I know that's, that's a little weird. So, okay, I'll give you the King James version, which, which I'm sure that you guys love. Better, but, um... Well, it, 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 I don't see anything here that says she's confessing her sins. I think that takes away. And I would, I would, I'm going to go, I'm going to go even bigger on this. I would say as a man that you would take this powerful statement from a woman and flip it and make it into a confession that she did something wrong. I hear a woman laughing in the background, which I would say is a vote of confidence for the priest. Oh, oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm just laughing at the two of you. Okay, all right, all right. Well, well so, so in any event, let, 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 let's, let's, let's continue on here. So we, we, could be, be, we could see difference on what Hannah is confessing. I would say she's absolutely not confessing. She is making a bold statement in front of God saying, you do this or else I will fast my way to death. I think it's a powerful place and she breaks the laws of, well, what human beings have thought who could be allowed in the temple. It's, it's for everyone, not just men. Uh, but, but in any event, so, so Rabbi, can you, can you have a, a, on your heart or in your mind, you could think of a time where either you personally or you've witnessed someone else who really was just burdened, burdened with sin, burdened with something they had done. And whether through you or through their relationship with God were removed to really unburden themselves and also perhaps go to the person they hurt and, and make peace with them. So, um, you know, and, and, and look, I, and many stories that that that, that I can uh, retell, and obviously, look, I, I, I'm not going to go through names just because out of out of. Uh, I want names and addresses, and if possible, social security numbers. No, but years ago, I I, I had a a close friend of mine who you know called me up. She was in a relationship with a with, with a gentleman. She had um, um, had this relationship for for three or four months. She was very content. She was in love, uh, and then found out that this gentleman happened to be married. And had a family. That's a, that's that. Yeah, you know, the phone call that she gave of saying, I, "I I'm not asking, I'm not asking for what I need to do, but I'm asking for advice. What, what, what do I, what do I do?" And I remember my response being, "You know what to do. It'd be very different if you continued this relationship in which you did not have the knowledge that you have now, but because you have the knowledge that said person is married and has a family, if you continue." Be aware that you are also breaking commandments. You are also breaking up a family and there are many challenges with it. If the knowledge you did not have that said, well, I was never told that he had a family or I was told, told you know, that they were you know, previously uh, in a relationship, that's different as opposed to having the knowledge in and of itself. Hmm. With the knowledge comes decision and comes choice. And look, as Jews, we're given the choice. I, I can be choose to be wicked. I can choose to be good. That's my choice. And the only person that I'm held accountable is either myself and to God. So in that instance, what this person had done was because they had the knowledge, you know, she and she called me later and said, you know, I ended the relationship. I just didn't feel, I didn't feel that it was, it was kosher. It was, it was, you know, I didn't want to go down that path. You think? <laughs> I'm sorry. 
right, but I think I think that he, there, there's something there, as you mentioned, as you began the conversation, there's something there about recognizing, accepting, and then trying to improve and ask forgiveness. You know, I think I mentioned this last week, right? I had a friend of mine in Berlin called me up during the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, said to me, you know, I'm really sorry for the way I treated you over the course of the year. And I stuffed it off and said, don't worry about it. Yes. She said, no, you're not listening. And you know what? She's right. I was not listening. I gave platitude. I just said, don't worry about it. I got thick skin. It's not a big deal. It doesn't It's not about me. you. Right. It's not about me. And actually what I realized was exactly what you just said. It's not about me. It's about her. What she's doing is trying to release off herself to be able to say, I was short-tempered with you. I lied to you. I did whatever, whatever happened in the course of the year. And I really want you to hear these words. I am sorry. And I am asking for your forgiveness. And did you, you grant her forgiveness? Did you finally say I forgive you? I did. Oh, you did? See, that's powerful. See, see, it, see, see. It took a while though. Oh, okay. Because although in that instance, it wasn't like I called her back three days later and said, look, you know, I've given a lot of thought. I called her back a couple of years later. <laughs> no, because it's a process. And I remember calling back later and saying, you said something to me, whatever it was, a year ago, two years ago, and I sloughed it off. And I want to say to you, I am sorry. Oh my I God. am sorry for taking you seriously enough. That script got flipped. That it was, it was, you know, for look, for her, it was very important. It took me a while to understand the severity of the importance for her and yeah. the severity of the importance for myself as well. Sure. I actually needed to be able to really sit with it and to be able to say, you know what? I forgive you. I forgive you. Because there is the, there is the possibility that you could have said, you know what? I'm not in a place yet to forgive you. Yes. I'm still pretty hurt. And, yes. uh, you know, I think, great. I'm glad you called me. That That's good. But you're a little too, 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 a little, little, what is it? A little too much too late. So a little too little too late. Uh, that, that always can happen. When we get the courage, we go before God and say, I feel terrible about this, how I talked to Father Durbin, I mean, Reverend Durbin. And then I'm finally going to call him up and confess my sins. You might be like, dude, it hurt, man. And so I still need more time or I really don't accept your forgiveness. That, we have to be open to that. that but I think, I think exactly as you said too, I think we also have to recognize our own anger, right? I could hurt, say arbitrarily, I could, I could, I could offend or have my, have my cantorial soloist upset with me, right? Maybe something I did, maybe I'm annoyed, maybe whatever it may be. And maybe over the course of the year, I'm not ready to let go of it at that moment. Who's to say that two years down the road, three years down the road, that I go to her and say, well, you know what, Beth, a couple of years ago, I said this, if I offended you, I'm sorry, I'm asking your forgiveness. Maybe, maybe there are times, and maybe it doesn't take a year, maybe it takes much more than a year to recognize and to be able to actually sit there and say, am I really... Am I really asking forgiveness? Because I can say to you, look, Father Anderson, I'm sorry if I hurt you in the last year. Is it sincere? There's no sincerity there. I'm just saying it because I want it off my chest. As opposed to me saying, look, Christian, I'm really sorry. I meant no ill to you. I'm really sorry for the way I treated you. Please forgive me. Right? There's a difference there between me just saying, look, I'm really sorry. Let's just sweep it over. Let's just, let's just continue. Maybe. Yes. Well, it, it, this, this goes back to last week about a true confession or repentance leads to a change of life. It leads to you 
changing your direction. So I think that's the thing of like saying, if someone might be like, great, I'm glad you got it off your chest, you feel better. But however, hopefully that confession and that girl who confessed to you, Rabbi Durbin, it caused her to make a change in her way in her life to be a, a better child of God. And so that's like, when you have someone come into your office who says, Rabbi Durbin, I watch too much porn. I watch porn all the time, or not all the time. Let's say they're not an addict. They just do it. And when they do, they feel terrible. And they feel like they need to confess these sins to their wife. <laughs> and, and, and you're going to be like, okay, because they feel so guilty, right? I've been watching porn. I feel so guilty. I'm going to go tell my wife because I feel like I'm cheating on her. So there, there, there's a couple approaches to this. But if it's not like a chronic issue, you going to confess your sins to your wife there, I think could do this. You can make an argument would make create you're over confessing. You are making way too much. You're going to create a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and your wife might not trust you or out of true confession. This is where I would say, Rabbi Durbin, I would differ that you have to go to the other person. If your point, if it's not all, because it isn't all about me, about you, about someone confessing their sins. It is about you making a change in your life. So if, if a husband came to me and said, I'm going to go tell my wife that I'm watching porn, I feel terrible. I'd say, okay, hold up. That's an easy way out. That might cause also a lot of chaos for your wife. What I want you to do is not watch porn again. That's what I want you to do. So I want you to confess to God that you're watching it. And I want you to confess to God that you need strength for this. And we're going to work and get a team around you or a therapist or whatever. So you don't have to watch porn ever again. Um, that is really hard to make. That's repenting. I'm going to change my way. And you need God for that. But if you just say, oh, I feel terrible. And then you're going to go to your wife. You got it off your chest. And then now she's worried about you. And now she's worried about every time she leaves the house, what you're doing upstairs. And now we just created this issue. I don't know. I, 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 I could be wrong on here. And I'm sure there might be some people who might be like, I, I totally don't agree with you on this. I want a change of life. I don't know what you want an apology. I want to know that you are not, you're not going to do this again, or you're really trying hard to make a change of life. You're not going to lie. You're not going to cheat. You're not going to steal all the 10 commandments, all these things. You're not going to covet. Um, it's going to happen. You're, we're imperfect beings, but we try and get up every single day to grow closer and closer to who we really are as, as, as being made in the image of God. And I think confession is key to do that because it helps us make the changes in our behavior. So confession is not just to get out of jail free card, right? Just because I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, forgives me of all my sins, does not mean I'm like, I got a mate. No, it just means I have the seed planted. I mean, now I got to really man up and take the walk, you know? So I, I, so I, I guess, think I if, if we go to the person, I think we just can't use them as a battering ram. Expect like, this is just, I had to get this off my chest and tell you. Well, yeah, great. Thanks, man. No, but but this is my question for you is that, you know, in, in the event that, yes, I've sinned and I've erred and I come to you and I say, Father Anderson, please, this is my issue. This is what's going on. You know, uh, you know, can I be absolved of sin? Right. And you say, look, OK, you know, go to Jesus. Jesus will absolve you of sin. I get that. You know, and it's interesting because from a Judaic perspective, we would say. You make your own choices. Each person has been given the gift by God of choice. You choose. So therefore, each person is held accountable and responsible for your own actions. There is no one to absolve you of sin except for yourself, God, and the one to whom or others to whom are fellow human beings. Sure. But, but ultimately, I mean, is there is there this understanding in a Christian faith that Wow, really? Um, in a Christian faith that um, 
<laughs> Brad McDermott just got floored because our producer just said we got five minutes. He's like, dude, I'm just warming up. I'm, I'm ready to go for another hour. I mean, we're talking about porn and confession. Count me in. Is there is there some degree of um, ownership and responsibility and accountability in the Christian faith to be able to say, I own my sin, I am asking for forgiveness, and I am asking for absolution, but only this can happen through myself and my, say, my connections with God or my connections with human beings, that there is individual responsibility. Have you been listening to the last 55 minutes of the show? No. <laughs> okay. So in review, uh, yes, you have to confess your sins to Almighty God and take responsibility for what you have done, which will hopefully lead you to go to the person and to seek forgiveness. If it's a sin against God, it's just between you and God. And yeah. then I was making the argument that sometimes I think it's, it's, it's more effective for you just to own the sin, confess it to God, and make a change in your behavior and not go to the person if, if going to the person is just going to cause more chaos and disruption. So, so just, uh, just, just, just as a briefing. Although we don't have callers calling in right now, I do have, uh, I, I, I do have a special guest who would like to ask a question. I know we are uh, in the last few minutes, but um, okay, let's let's make it a, make it a rapid fire. So, my question is basically, if you, um, your clergy, Rabbi Durbin, your clergy, I'm potentially clergy. I sit on the on the bima, and we are doing these these services, Yom Kippur and Easter and Lent and everything else. So for me personally, the only time that I have for myself to potentially confess would be during Tashlich, which is what Rabbi was talking about, casting your sins against uh, on the water. When do you have time? When do you, because obviously you're concentrating on the service, Rabbi Durbin's concentrating on the service, when is your time for that confession and how do you, who do you and how do you confess your sins? Yeah, that's, that's great. I think uh, since I know we're right at time, they, they, what I've done and I've, I've gone through struggles myself, uh, what I do is that I need to find a safe place to go do that. And I've gone to priests outside of my diocese, a priest who doesn't know me, a priest who doesn't, couldn't know, couldn't, couldn't, doesn't know me from Adam. Just so I can really be honest, it's a safe place. You know, people talk, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, Father Christian came in for confession the other day, right? So I'm going to go to a place no one knows me. I'm going to walk in and just, so I could just bear it all, be full of, get rid of my shame, be honest. I don't feel like to be restrictive because this dude doesn't know me or this woman doesn't know me and confess it all. So that that's what I do. I, I don't feel safe going to some someone I know. I, I really don't. Um, that's just me. Now, I'm not saying that person's going to say anything, but I know you. And I'd rather go to a priest who doesn't know me. And they don't see me as a fellow priest. They just they just see me as a fellow child of God. Um, and so that's what I do. But yeah, if it's on my heart, trust me, you can see me. I'm a high energy kind of guy. I can't deal with when I got that guilt on my heart, I, I, got, I got to go and confess. And I do find it very liberating and healing. Um, I can't move forward without uh, confession personally. So that's why I'm a big proponent of it. Rabbi, do you ever want to come to me for confession? Or would you rather go to who? Would you go to another rabbi? Or would you just tell your wife? Exactly, exactly. Great question. I mean, look, you and I have a, a fantastic relationship, uh, you know, close friend of mine. Would I have a problem calling you if I, if I, if I had an issue? A absolutely. You know, expect that phone call. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, there are times every, every single Yom Kippur or leading up to Yom Kippur with the 10 days of repentance, you know, I take the prayer book, um, our high holiday prayer book, and I will say confession uh, to my wife, where I say, you know, look, Rose, forgive me. I'm sorry that I took advantage of you. I'm sorry that I took you for granted. Um, and I really take the time to really, you know, ponder those words. We do it every single year. 
uh, really important. But again, that's once a year. It's not daily. And I think that, you know, at least trying to reframe that it happens once or twice or a few times throughout the year that we confess to really be able to recognize our own transgressions on a daily basis. All right, y'all. So if you want to go confess your sins, you can go to Temple Bat Hayam. Check out their website of the services. It's Porn, wear your Elvis jacket. You can come to St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Stewart, Florida. Go to St. Mary's Stewart.org. We got it. It's Lent. It's a time of repentance. So we have services galore and music programs, teaching programs, everything you need. So uh, check out our podcast to get all the services. God bless you. Confess well. Be liberated from your sin. This is Rabbi Durbin and Father Christian signing off. Peace, and we'll see you next Friday.